But let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you today about Christ, wisdom for, from God. Christ, wisdom from God. And uh, so uh, Revelation 18, if you want to be turning there, and we will go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is so good to be in your church today, God, and we're glad to be here in the local church. God, glad for the people that woke up and got here, glad for the people that are online. Lord, and the availability of that, God, I know my wife said, make sure Corey has got this online today. And so, Lord, I know I got one faithful uh, person out there that who's tuning in and joining Brookside Church of God today. And uh, so, Lord, we, we thank God for that technology. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord's Sunday school classes and God, Wednesday night and the teaching that goes on in this church. Thank you for the worship and the praise leaders and the, the team that does uh, so much. Thank you for the nursery workers and the children's workers, God, and everybody who works hard in this church, God, maintenance and grounds and all kinds of things to make things work. Thank you for everyone who gives hard, uh, earned money, God, uh, which really, uh, God, the tithe belongs to you. And so, Lord, thank God for that. Thank you, Lord, for those that give that aren't even here on Sundays that give to our church outside of, uh, of just uh, the, the people within this church, God. We're so grateful for that, Lord. And we're grateful for your word. Thank you. God for giving us Bibles. God, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, God, for uh, being uh, having a physical copy of the Word of God that we can read and study and grow in. God, thank you for, uh, Lord, just uh, the resources that you've given to grow in our, 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 our knowledge of that. And Lord, thank you that... Um, God, you're going to speak to us. I believe you want to, you want to uh, prepare us, God, in this coming year for the challenges and the things that are coming. And I believe you have answers for us today through your word. And so speak to our hearts and change our lives through the word of God today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Revelation 18, chapter, uh, chapter 18, verses 1. We're going to read uh, 1 and 2, and then we're going to read 9 and 10, and then we're going to read 16 and 17, and then we're going to read verse 19. So we're going to skip around a little bit in here. It'll be on the screen. But Revelation 18, 1 says, And after this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had, a, with, he had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean, unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth have committed fornic uh, adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Look at verse 9. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her shared her luxury uh, and shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning. They weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they shall stand afar off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. And here's what I want you to Three times he says this, in one hour. In one hour. In one hour. I mean, in one hour, he says here, uh, that, that uh, they'll stand off. But woe to you, the city of the mighty Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. Look at verse 16. And cry out, woe, woe to the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea, will stand far off. Verse 19. They will throw dust on their hands and weeping and mourning and cry out, Woe to you, woe, the great city where, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. For in one hour she has been brought to ruin. God warns that the world is going to change in one hour. In one hour everything will change. 
And he warns that, the, that everything, he, he warns in one hour there's going to be a geopolitical calamity that's going to cause uh, world governments and world leaders. It's going to be an economic calamity, a geopolitical calamity that in one hour world governments, world leaders are going to be terrified and they're going to be humiliated at what's happening on the face of the earth. Everything they built, everything they put their trust in, all their Merck containers out there, all their junk, all their delicacies, all their riches, everything that they, that they have in one hour, everything they built, everything that they've got there, this world system in one hour, everything we love, everything we flash, everything we put out there on Fifth Avenue and Madison Avenue and all these places, everything that, 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 that people love. In one hour, economic calamity, geopolitical calamity, uh, the world leaders terrified, the world leaders humiliated, world leaders stand there shocked in, at what's going on. People in the nations are not going to be prepared when this happens in that one hour. It's a very serious warning, and it's a warning even to Christians who need to pay attention. Remember, Jesus warned in Matthew 24, there will be wars, and there'll be rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes in various places. There'll be food shortages that begin to come. There'll be, uh, there'll be overwhelming persecution that goes on all over the face of the earth, and He calls what's happening on the face of the earth birth pains he calls it birth pains he referred to it which means it will grow in intensity and grow in intensity and grow in intensity until Christ comes that's what's going to happen so what are we supposed to do as the church knowing and seeing these things that are coming upon the face of the earth we will definitely need a source of wisdom that is not of this world we're definitely going to need a source of strength a source of grace that is not part of this world system. If everything in this world that they put their ingenuity, their ideas, they put everything into that and, it, and it's coming to naught in one hour, you need to find a source of wisdom that is not part of that system. Amen? So how do we do such? And that's what we're going to look at today. you got to be given an ability to endure the birth pains, to be able to make it in this world as we're going into, and the calamities and the things that are shifting and changing. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says this, For consider your calling. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many and sisters, not many of you are, were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish uh, in this world to shame that which is wise. God the, chose that which is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose that which is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that He human being, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now look at verse 30 because this is the key verse. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Not just, not, not just wisdom of God. That's, there's a big difference here. Not just wisdom of God, but in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom. He became to us wisdom from God. You want wisdom outside of this world? You want to be able to maneuver the days you are living in? He is your wisdom from God. Righteousness. Sanctification. Redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts... Boast in the Lord. What exactly does that mean? A pastor wrote this in his journal concerning this that I listen to a lot. He said it means that God's wisdom, His leading and His grace doesn't just come from learning about the teachings and the examples of Jesus, but by knowing Him. Not by just learning about. See, we can come. We're ever learning in here. 
I mean, we, we got, we've had enough Bible teachings to, we, 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 we boast, we brag on our teaching, we, 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 we come with more, thinking we got more truth to give. But you can be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And, and, and this learning is supposed to lead us to this wisdom, to this person, to this one that we need to know. We need to seek Him. Look at what He says. But by knowing Him and seeking Him and being in constant communion with Him, to know the Lord, to be intimate with Him, to, 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 to receive strength and grace and wisdom from God. Colossians 2.1 says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those that are at Laodicea and, and, and for all who have not seen me face to face, Paul writes, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He is your wisdom. He is your revelation. He is your strength. He is your source. He is your every, uh, your all in all. So the question, Paul, is how do I get this? How do I walk in full assurance? How do I walk in the knowledge and the wisdom and direction of God? Because I need that in 2024. I need that now more than ever. And he tells us in verse 3 how it's done. This is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom and knowledge? Get off Google. It's going to burn in one hour. Get out of Dr. Phil and Dr. Oprah. And get into the wisdom of God. Christ, our wisdom. You want to know how to maneuver COVID? You don't have to look to, to the WHO, the World Health Organization. You look to God. You don't need to look to UAB. You look to Jesus Christ, your wisdom. How do we get it? It's in Christ, the treasure of our wisdom and knowledge. All wisdom, understanding, and power is hidden in Christ. Listen, Puritan writer John Owen said two things uh, that seem like they have a claim and a title when it comes to wisdom and leading. And he wrote this. He said, number one, civil wisdom and prudence for the management of the fairs. He said, in other words, we're trying to find info we need from the world in order to live our lives. In other words, we keep searching and we need another step to this and another step to that and another step to this. And he said, that seems to be what we want to do. We're seeking that. Tell me another step of how to raise my children right. Tell me another step of how to have a successful marriage. Tell me another step. Come on, world, tell me. Let me surely out of all those television channels, I can figure it out. Surely with all the social media sites, somebody's going to tell me something to help me out. And that's what we go to. We're going into all these things in order to try to bring some order into our lives. And then John Owen said the second thing is the ability to, of learning and literature. And man, in our day and age is that. We have podcasts galore. You can spend your entire day just listening to podcast after podcast after podcast. Used to, I didn't know how to do things and I would give up. And now I don't. Last week I was putting in rods in my, in my washing machine because it's banging and I'm too cheap to buy another one. And now it's still banging. And so I'm ordering online and I'm getting springs and stretching them across and putting strings in there. And, and You don't have to not know how to do things anymore. There's a hundred YouTube videos out there to tell you how to do this. And John Owen says, number one, civil wisdom and prudence for the management of the affairs is what we're looking for. And then he said, number two, the ability of learning and literature. There's so much information in our day and time through education, through streaming of information. But he said, God rejects both of them. He says, God rejects both of these as of no use at all to the end and the intent of true wisdom indeed. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. God brings to nothing the understanding of the prudent and makes, the foolish, uh, makes foolish the wisdom of the world. Now, 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 how many in these last couple of years have, have, have felt the pressures of life? And situations that, that absolutely... <sighs> There seems no wisdom and no way forward. How in the world do we get forward 
in these situations. In other words, I used to know. I, I've been to counseling and that, that helped me at that point. But now I'm in a situation where no amount of counseling can get me through this. I don't know the next step. Right? Right? Come on. And, and I don't know what to do. I used to have the strength and the resources to get me out of this. But, but those have dried up now. And I don't know how to get through the next thing, the next hurdle, and the next step that I, that I need to go through. You know, like I finally had parenting figured out, right? I had read enough books about parenting. And then the transgender movement hit. Right? And how do you maneuver that monster? When the kid's coming home and they've been told now that, 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 that they don't know if they're a boy or a girl and they're confused. And you as a parent now, how do you maneuver that new, that new obstacle? Right? That's the kind of stuff that we are dealing with. That's the kind of thing Babylon is pushing out to the masses today in this world that we're living in today. And sometimes it gets overwhelming and the pressures come and we're facing battles that we've never experienced. And they are demonic. And everything looks impossible. And there's no more human wisdom. And we've exhausted Everything, everything. And, and, and now we're going into a season, I'm warning you, where, where literally the only wisdom that's going to get us through is knowing Him. You hear me well. The only wisdom that's going to see you through in the coming days is knowing and seeking the Lord. And it's not going to be Brother Brad doing it for you. And it's not going to be your spouse doing it for you. And it's not going to be your parent doing it for you. You must seek the wisdom of God yourself. We must commune with Him. And the, the way through it is to know Him. Everything needed is in Christ. Say that with me. Everything needed is in you, Lord. It's in Christ. Everything that you need now for life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. All the wisdom you need now. All the revelation you need now. All the righteousness you need now. All the power. But the sad part is nobody's seeking Him anymore. No, not even pastors. We don't seek the Lord we, we don't. There's not even our grandparents are seeking the Lord anymore. They're parked in front of Facebook. No. That's where the wisdom comes. That's where the revelation comes. There's no seeking of the Lord anymore. We must get back to seeking the Lord. Pastors must get back to seeking the Lord. Not seminars. Not Books on church growth. We must get back to seeking the wisdom, the revelation, the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. And that's what the life of Moses we're going to look at this morning. One of my favorite preachers I listened to, I wrote it in the newsletter article. God told him right before everything hit with COVID and everything, he went off to pray a few days and God told him, I want you to prepare a wilderness church. He said, the church is going into the wilderness. And he said, that's crazy. They'll, they'll think I'm a nut. He said, everything's great at church. And everything's great in the economy. And he said, I'm telling you, prepare a wilderness church. Well, what is the wilderness? The wilderness is a place where there are no answers with the physical eye. And folks, that's where we, have, we, have, we, have go, we are going we are going to a place now where there is no answer with the physical eye. In other words, provision is there, but you can't see it with the natural. Only Jesus. You, 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 he, he leads you somewhere where He has to provide for you. He is your strength. He is your wisdom. He is your provision. He is your source. He is your salvation. He is your everything. The wilderness is a place there where you are led by the cloud and by the pillar of fire. It's a place where God has to lead you. And if God doesn't say go, you don't go. And when God says move, you move. And when God says quit the job, you quit the job. And when God says stay at the job with the mean boss, you stay at the job. You, he, it's a place 
Where you don't see a way out, you don't see provision, but you're led by God every single day into the provision that is needed. You have no idea in the natural how this is going to come out, but God has a way to lead you through it all the way through, just like He did the children of Israel years and years ago. Listen to what it says about Moses in Exodus 33, 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let them let me know whom you will send with me, yet uh, you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. That's what we need, folks. Somebody better seek the Lord to know His ways. We better seek not the world's wisdom, not, not Jimmy Fallon. You better seek God to know the ways of the world. Amen? I know you by name, and you have found, also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you. That I may know you, the one who is wisdom, the one who is revelation, the one who, who can help me in this wilderness that I'm in. That I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. We're your people, God. Man, I started on the first of the year. I thought, if we're going into a wilderness, I'm going to read the book of Exodus. And I started reading the book of Exodus. And man, God just, I mean, I, I'm right now, I don't know. I, it's highlighted and marked up. But I, I could tell you where I am. But I, I, I got through the plagues. Just, but one of the things I, I noticed that, that, that he's speaking every day is he's leading them. And, and he's providing for them. And, and he could have taken them this way, but he's directed them this route on purpose. And every time I found such comfort because it kept saying he made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. And I mean, if he said it once, he made a distinction. And I thought, man, God, lead on. Lead on because if we're going into this wilderness, you know that those that are yours. And there is a difference between those that are yours and those that are of this world and not of you. And so, God, I feel great comfort in knowing that where you lead me, you, God, you're going to make provision for me. You're going to provide for me. You're going to take care of me. And even when I don't see it with the physical eye, you are there with me. You never leave me and you never forsake me. When he got that cloud up or that pillar of fire and moved it there between and made a distinction between Egypt and between Israel, when they're coming after him at the Red Sea, he's got warmth on one side and he's got darkness on the other side. God is so good. Amen? So what is God's response to Moses? I'm not going to say prayer, his cry. And it's this in verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. Show me, God, show yourself to me. Don't hide back anything. Show me your glory. God, you have got to show yourself to me. And listen to what he says But, but in verse 20. But he said, you cannot see my face, for, for a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, I've been talking to you about, about prayer, and I said prayer is coming. Mine started January 1, and God is beginning to teach me and show me about prayer. And we're going to hear it from this pulpit. So here's 101. Get ready. This is where we're going. Moses said, please show me your glory and he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live and the Lord said but behold there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face you shall not see Moses is struggling with a uncertainty just like we are struggling with uncertainty in our day he is exhausted from leading three million Israelites out of Egypt one impossible circumstance after another you get through one hurdle and tomorrow there's another you get through one death and you got to bury somebody the next day you get through one washing machine breaking down and and you got you got a wife that falls and hurts you get through one instance after another and there's one thing after another thing after 
after another thing after another thing. And Moses is in that wilderness and he is facing one impossible situation after one impossible situation in which there seems to be no end to it whatsoever for 40 years. And we've only been in it for a minute. And Moses had to find water in the desert for three million people. Hey, McFly, there is no water in the desert. One impossible situation. You are the caretaker for these people. You are to steward these people. You are to shepherd these people. And you've got between a million and three million. How do you, how do you, how do you provide water for them? And the, how do you feed that many people? How do you clothe that many people? How do you, how do you provide water? People are about to die on your watch. Talk about feeling pressure. And Moses had to begin to stand in faith in that desert. He had to begin to trust God. And that's exactly what he's going to do with us. He's going to bring us into a place where we have to stand on the Word of God, on the promises of God, leaning on the everlasting arms of God. We are going to have to have a, have a little talk with Jesus. We are going to have to do all the things that we sing about, preach about, talk about. We're going to have to actually do them so that we can have a relationship with this one we call God. We can know Him in the beauty of holiness. He can be our strength, our revelation, our source, our all and all. He is the, he is the one who is there for us. we got to trust God to provide food like Moses did. We, he leads them into a Red Sea, into a place of a impossibility. Now everybody's angry at Him. All the congregation is grumbling. They want to kill Him. They said, we'd rather die. We, could, we were better off back there in Egypt and that's why he took them all the way around that way because he knew they were going to want to go back when they got into the battle if they'd have gone the, the fastest route he knew them he knew what was in their heart he's tested them want to show what's in their heart and there's always this cloud of impossibility over Moses' head and at one point Moses even wants to give up and die Aren't you glad for scriptures like that? No, aren't you glad for Elijah and Moses who get to a place? Because have you ever felt that way? I'm done. Tapped out. Done with it. Right? And, and, and he's at that, he gets to that point. I don't want to carry this burden. It's too much now. Put him in one place out there, another for 40 years. And if that's not enough, he comes to Exodus 33. And he says, I'm not going with you anymore. And I used to think this was romantic. If you're not going, I'm staying. It's not. It's the last straw. And Moses' heart is shattered. It's like the dogs had to been put to sleep. Grandma passed away. Funeral's over. Washing machine broke. I'm done, God. And then the phone rings. Right? And it's one more. And it does knockout. And this is the knockout punch to Moses. He's shattered. He's broken, I believe. It's the final straw in the camel's blood. But you, you're just trying to find the grace and strength to be able to get through the challenge and get to another day. And that phone call comes, and now there's nothing alive inside of you. This is like a death that's going on inside. It's that one last thing, and it's exactly where Moses is. He's been traveling through. He's, he's on this side of the mountain, and God is saying, I'm not going with you. And he said, if you are not going, then, then, then we are not going. And in other words, that, that broke me, God. That was the nail in the coffin. And, and, and with everything that's going on in my heart, he, he's saying, uh, listen to what he says in verse 13. Now, therefore, with all this going on in my heart, now, therefore, if 
If I have found favor in your sight. In other words, God, if you are just willing to hear my prayer, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too this, that this nation is your people. In other words, God, show me who you are. You have something that I need hidden in you. And you're the only source and place that it can be found. Babylon's going to burn in one hour. The wisdom of this world is going to be brought to nothing by the foolish things. There's nowhere else I can go, God. And now you're telling me you're not going with me. No, no, God. There's something hidden in you. And I've got to have it. I have got to have this. I am broken. And so what did God do with that prayer or that cry for seeking Him? What did He do with that? Look at Exodus 33 and 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious with. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back and my face shall not be seen. Moses if you want my wisdom, if you want my strength, if you want my grace in order to walk through what you are having to walk through, if you want to continue moving forward with me then you have got to hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. And who is the rock, Margaret? You have got to hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. And you have got to seek the Lord in 2024. You are my wisdom. There is a place on the rock beside me. And I'll hide you in the cleft. And I will let all my glory in that place. That revelation that you need for your marriage. That revelation of the Bible that you're not understanding. I, in that place, if you'll seek me with all your heart and soul mind. If you'll come and stand beside me in that place. I'm going to show you my glory God is showing us in communion and intimacy with Jesus you will find the wisdom you'll find the grace it's not in counseling counseling helps but you better be in the cleft of the rock then that will confirm it then he can use that and he can use the teaching in the other places it's not alone in the court system you don't bypass God's system and go to all these other methods and try to find the wisdom and revelation and everything no you learn every day to seek after Jesus you learn to pray and to work Worship Him. You learn to pour over the Scriptures and to begin to know Him. And I can't do this for you. I can tell you over and over again, we have a Bible plan. We're trying to get you in a systematic study of the Scriptures. We have people that will come and talk with you. We, we will sit in homes with you. We will get involved with you. We will do whatever we can to help you in this walk and in this journey. But you have got to seek the Lord yourselves. And what I said is sad is that there are not even many pastors seeking the Lord anymore uh, in this day and time. David Wilkerson preached a sermon years ago. I listened to it not long ago. Ago called the dethroning of God in America. And he talked about nobody seeking God anymore in our school system, in our governments, they've dethroned him. And, and he talked about uh, there's no intimacy with all the information aids that we've had. We've replaced prayer with and the prayer meeting with psychology and professional counselors. We've replaced waiting on the Holy Spirit and tarrying to give us direction with podcasts and books. And God's wisdom does not come that way, folks. It doesn't come by studying another book. It comes by getting into the cleft of the rock and being intimate with the one who has been given to you as wisdom from God. He takes the foolish things that are able uh, that, 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 that we begin to be able to see there in the cleft of the rock. Amen? He brought the foolish in to give them wisdom. That's what he does. He brings a little foolish guy named Brad Lindsay from Hueytown, Alabama, and he brings him in and he begins to give him 
revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding in that place. Not because that I, there's anything in me. I'm foolish. But he takes the foolish things and confounds the wise. And many of the problems that we're facing in our marriages, in our home, with our children, uh, is a result of abandoning your prayer life. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have a revelation to see your way forward. No, you're on the device trying to get it. You're trying to get it from the world's ways. You're trying to get it through counseling. You're trying to get it through. Well, we've tried counseling. Well, good. Try the cleft. Try the cleft. Well, we've tried church. Try the cleft. Right? Seek Him. We don't seek Him the way we used to. I don't know that I've ever been involved in seeking God the way I hear that it used to be sought. But I'm ready to give it a shot. I want to see a people and a group of people, if it's just me, seeking God. Amen? The wisdom you need is only found in Christ. Only in union with Him. God made Him, Jesus, to be wisdom to us. And you say here today, well, Pastor Brad, to be honest, and that's what Jesus wants, and that's what I want. And when I started having a real relationship, that's, that's, that's when it began, is when I got honest. And you say, well, to be honest, I don't even have a real prayer time. And that's a good place to start. No, I, I, some of you, I know, you, you pray over meals, and you pray at night with your children. I'm talking about a real prayer time of seeking God. Talk about seeking the Lord. You don't commune because, and here's the reason why most of us don't commune. So this is where we're starting the foundation of our prayer. Right here in this church and with your pastor and our walk and our life. The reason a lot of times we don't pray is because we don't have a prayer language. If you don't speak the language, you're lost so you don't do it. So I want to look in closing at at four things to help us today. And you want to take a picture or write these down maybe to help you. But four things to help you with developing a prayer language so you can foster real prayer. So that when you come into your prayer closet, you're not just sitting there going in for three seconds and leaving. Or you come into a church prayer meeting and you don't just lay on the seat and fall asleep. But, but that you really have something to say to God. That you really are fostering this real prayer language in the cleft of the rock. And in order to do that, I think this will help. This is just a suggestion. It doesn't have to be exactly like this. But this will help you create a prayer language. And yours could be a little different. But this may help you. I've been doing this this week. And it's been awesome to help me in prayer to have this language. I've been doing it since the first day of the week. I decided. And, and yesterday I was with a friend of mine that we pray once a month. And together on the phone. And God just confirmed something that I didn't even realize I was doing. I, I'm getting up, and one thing I'm doing, I'm giving. I, I'm getting up before I start my work. I'm getting up, and I'm giving God His time back. I robbed Him of His time, and and it, it's just been terrible. It just been all over the board, and it, and I and I and I just said, God, I'm coming back to that. But one thing this friend revealed in our prayer time and in our talk, God always does something great in that. And um, we got to talking about tithe, and we got to be talking about the, 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 not only tithe of money, but tithing of the firstborn and tithing of everything. And, 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 and it, it was, it was kind of understood that, that that's right, Brad. You, 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 this, is the, this is your best time of the day. Uh, you've slept all night. You're at your best when you wake up, and that belongs to God. And I'm giving that back to him. And it's been so good. It's been so good. And maybe this will help you to develop a a, a prayer language uh, uh, that will help you to start praying. Number one, you have to learn to spend time, especially in prayer, giving thanksgiving and allowing the gratitude of your heart to begin to flow. In order to develop a prayer language, this is a good place to start is with thanksgiving and gratitude. And we are an unthankful, unholy... That's what Timothy talked about in the last days. We need to be a people that have gratitude. Gratitude with God and gratitude with each other. It's ugly to be ugly. And it's ugly not to give thanks. 
Amen. He, he, he was upset when one came back to give gratitude only. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Because it's a haughty thing to think I ought not to have to give thanks. I mean, we should want to thank someone when they do something nice for us. We should want to thank God when He does something nice. I want to be thanked when I do something nice. Not out of arrogance. I just, we, 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 that's a, just the polite thing to do. And so a great place that God loves thanksgiving and, and a great place to come to God is with thanksgiving and gratitude in our heart. And the reason is it reminds you of God. God's faithfulness in your past and in your present. It reminds you of the things He's done. He was constantly telling Israel, remember, remember, remember. Build a memorial so you remember. When you walk by here, point to that and tell your children, oh yeah, that's because of God. And so when you go into the prayer closet and you have a prayer language now and you say, you know what? When I go in there now, I'm going to start by giving God thanksgiving. God, thank you. Thank you that I woke up today. Thank you, God, for my health. God, thank you that my wife could have come down that ceiling out of that attic and been killed. She could have broke her neck. God, thank you. God, my heart is filled with gratitude towards you. Thank you that we have doctors. Thank you that we have medicine. Thank you, God. Thank you for a church family that, that has come and made us meals and, and prayed for us and jumped in and taught services for us so that we could take care of one another. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for my salvation. God, God, 1994. Yeah, I remember. I remember what a wretch I was. I remember, God, that I thought nobody would want me anymore. I was detestable and despicable and all my sins were before me. And I didn't think you could do anything to get rid of those. But God, I remembered you. And I remembered your death. And I remembered your burial. I remembered your resurrection. I remember what I was taught in church at a young age. And God, my heart is just filled with praise and adoration and gratitude for what you've done. God, thank you for giving me children. Thank you for giving me two sons. Thank you that they're grown up and they're in church with me and they're serving you. Lord, thank you for the people in the church, God, that have been friends to me and helped me. God, thank you for the ministry. Thank you, God, for the air conditioner. It's broke, but God, you got, you got $9,000 to give it to us to give another one. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for my car that's running. Thank you for my house that doesn't leak and it's warm. It's cold outside. There's people on the streets. That, folks, do you see that's more than five minutes? minutes just giving thanksgiving I ain't even got to point two three and four I just don't know what to say it's because you don't have a language Develop a language of prayer and you'll have something you begin to remind yourself of God's faithfulness and it builds faith when you remember the faithfulness of God, it builds faith. You're beaten down by life, but you begin to thank Him and gratitude comes. And you begin to, faith be, begins to build. And faith leads to intimacy. And that leads to communion. I mean, I just came in to thank Him. And now I'm drawing near to Him. And now my heart's being filled with faith. Now I'm in communion with God. I'm in the cleft. And we are intimately communing with one another together. And, and I'm thanking Him for His past victories. I'm, my past victories, thanking Him for salvation. Thanking Him for being in a church. I'm thanking Him that my life and my heart was changed. That He delivered me. I just start giving thanksgiving and moving faith inside of my heart. And it unleashes intimacy with the Lord. Number two, often when you come into the presence of God and you begin to give thanksgiving and that sort of thing, all of a sudden, uh, the, the hound from heaven sometimes comes. Anybody know the hound from heaven? The Holy Spirit begins to come. And if there's something blocking that faith, then He begins to needle it and probe it. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe I'm in there and I'm reminded that, I, that I'd snapped at somebody at church. Maybe I wasn't too pleasant with the worker who was slow with my food. And all of a sudden, my attitude was unbecoming of a Christian. And I knew it. And I didn't go back and say something to him. And now the Holy Spirit's putting his, putting his hand upon it. 
Come on, some of you act like you shouldn't have to do that. That's what God does. That's what being a Christian is. He begins to put his hand on something because that's hindering faith in my life. That's hindering him from being at work in my life. That's hindering intimacy with him. And so he comes in love and he begins to say, there's unconfessed sin in your life, Brad. And I want you to confess that because it's hindering the faith that's needed right now in this moment. So we're holding on to attitudes, unforgiveness, our actions. And the Holy Spirit starts pointing out those things when you're in a life of prayer. But if you're too busy to stop and get in the cleft of the rock, you can turn the music on louder. Why do you think we like every restaurant with a bunch of noise, 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 television, 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 television? Because the world says you don't need to get quiet and listen. You're okay. But you quiet yourself and go into a closet and shut the door and turn everything off. Everything you kill humor with. Everything you kill passivity and withdrawing and anxiety with. Now he's there. And he's saying, let's deal with it. Let's deal with this now. You've been walking with this way too long. You've been making excuses. And I want to take that thing out of there because I love you. And so he begins to do that and we confess it in prayer. That's another way of in prayer is we draw near in intimacy. The Holy Spirit points out things and we can confess those things and we can ask for help with those things in that time that we need. Number three, number three, we begin to write down three or four or five or six or ten or however many you got time for, whatever. You write down petitions that you are believing God for, for a breakthrough in in your life or around the world. In other words, you begin to bring petitions before God. God, the war that's going on in Israel, my heart's burdened. I'm bothered by this. Lord, would you please help the Israeli people? Would you help, would you help President Netanyahu? Would you help the Israeli army? Would you help this war to stop? God, Russia and, and, and Ukraine, would you stop the atrocities that there, Lord, that's going on. People are dying. And then, Lord, would you cause people to know you? You begin to bring petitions. God, my children are struggling or this or that. And I just got to really, you know, I'm a dad. And Lord, it hurts me to see them hurt. And God, would you come in and would you help them? And we bring petitions into our, God, my wife, she's aching. She's hurting. Would you please heal her body and let nothing be broken? Let there be no other. So we bring petitions before God. This is a way we're doing. We're building a prayer language. We're coming in and beginning our language, starting it with thanksgiving, starting it with gratitude, moving on to confession, and then we begin to move on into petitions. We're making our petitions known before God, and that's creating this language called prayer, where we're beginning to learn to pray and be intimate and seek the face of God and, and, and draw near. And then number four, and lastly, lastly, and maybe you get this song. This is an oldie. Not many people are going to know it, but there will be a few. Guy Penrod, and there's a, there's a version with lyrics. It's an old song, and it's called Hide Thyself, Myself in the Cleft of the Rock. It's a good song. Number four. When I create a prayer language, I not only write down petitions, but I write down promises in the Scripture or even scriptural prayers that I can pray through during my prayer time with the Lord. I write down promises in, in the Scripture. That's okay, John. You're fine, buddy. I write down promises in the Scriptures or even scriptural prayers that I can pray through during my prayer time with the Lord. In other words, in other words this is another way of creating a prayer language. You, you read through prayers of other people that are going through the exact same thing and it begins to, to... I mean, has anybody ever done that? Have you ever taken a prayer in the Bible and you thought... That's me. That's what I'm going through right now, God. I mean, like, like Psalms 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. God, I need a rock right now. I need a rock. You're my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. God, if David took refuge, I'm coming in to take refuge in you right now. You are my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from all my enemies. God, save me from all my enemies. 
And so as you read through things like the Psalms, you begin to develop, it, it enhances your prayer language. And you can begin to pray back the Scriptures to God. Pray through like the apostolic prayers that are in Ephesians 1. Lord, open, open my eyes to be able to see your might and your power. Give me revelation of you. Give me a spiritual eyes to see the depth of your calling and all the power that is in Christ. You pray things like Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. God, I want you to do your good pleasure in me. Oh God do your good pleasure. I want it to be your workmanship. God, half my life I spent trying to add works and do it in my strength, God. This right here says you will work in me. It's you who works in me, God. Or like Philippians 1.6, my favorite. Oh, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. Oh, uh, that it's God who began this work. God in 94, you began this work. And you promised to perform it and to carry it on to completion to the coming of the Lord. And so you come in that prayer closet and you're thanking Him and you're praising Him and gratitude is coming into your heart. And you're confessing things that the Holy Spirit is pointing out that are hindering your faith. And then you're moving into a time of bringing your petitions before God because we all have petitions for ourselves and the world and our friends and our church and everywhere. And then we're coming into a place where we begin to, 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 to get into the Scriptures and read the Scriptures and pray back some of the Scriptures and begin to start developing a prayer language. Psalms 23, 5 You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. God, you didn't say that you would deliver me out of the presence of, 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 of all my enemies, but you said that you would sit at table in the presence of my enemies. And so we begin to pray the scriptures and that's how you create a prayer language. And listen, you must have a prayer language now. So start with thanksgiving. Deal with the things the Holy Spirit reveals. Bring petitions to God. Take scriptures and promises and prayers that have already been prayed. Pray them through. And now you'll realize time passes by and you have been in communion with God. And in the days ahead, hear me, there's no other way for the church. There's no other way. And so we, we've been a church of much of the word. The word, the word, the word. But I, as your pastor, have, 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 have not been a great, done a great job at, at, at this. And we are going to remedy that. And if I botch it and don't know how to do it, we're going to figure it out together. But we're going to be a people of prayer. A people of prayer. We're going to, I'm not saying we haven't been praying. We all pray. And I know this church, you are prayer people. But I want to seek the Lord like never before. And I want Him to be my wisdom in the coming days. So it is in seeking Him that you must be hidden in the cleft of the rock. So Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for 2024. And Father, we want to... Uh, God, we want to begin this year by hiding ourselves... In the cleft of the rock. God like Moses I believe. We've begun to embark in a wilderness season. But God you take care of your church in that place. And you will take care of us. And you are Jesus our wisdom from God. You're our revelation. You're our strength. You're our everything. And so Lord we are going to come to you. And we're going to seek you. There is a place beside you in the, on the rock and you'll put us in the cleft and you'll reveal yourself to us. And so Father, Lord, just create a seeking in us this year. Teach us how to pray. The disciples came to you and they didn't say, Lord, teach me how to, how to do this or do that. They said, Lord, we see something in your life that's different from anybody else and us. And we've drawn a conclusion. It comes from your intimacy with the Father. Show us that. Show us how to pray. That's what we want to learn. And God, you, you came and you gave them a model and a prayer language. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You begin to go down through there and begin to teach them and show them how to have their own seeking with you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. Father, we, we just pray that you would bless us and, and stir our hearts. to Give us the grace. 
This isn't something we can drum up ourselves. Give us the grace in this coming year to pray, God, and to be more like you. We thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.